You're listening to The Great Coaches Podcast. Hi everyone, Paul here, and just a quick message from me to let you know that if you are looking to improve the performance of your team, no matter whether it is a work, sporting, or community one, then we've developed some tools to help. On the website, you will find our Thriving Teams Diagnostic, which uses insights from the more than 200 great coaches we have interviewed to challenge you with a series of questions to help you understand how your team is performing. It's free and only takes a few minutes to complete. If you'd like to know more, you can check out our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Bastard Bruin, welcome to the Great Coaches Podcast. How are you today? Yeah, very good. Thank you. It's a strange time in the COVID-19 time, but still doing great. Family is uh, healthy, at least are healthy. So in our little small circle, it's good. So Bas, before we start, where are you in the world today and what have you been up to so far? I'm uh, in the Netherlands at home, as most people nowadays uh, in this time. I live in the northwest of uh, the Netherlands, a little town called Wijk aan Zee. It's 500 meters from the sea, from the coastline almost uh, in the dunes, so a great place to be nearby our training facilities or pretty nearby at home, working at home as supposed to be nowadays. Well, I'm glad that we could drag you away from work for a little bit to talk all things paratriathlon. I'd actually like to start by talking a little bit about your experience because you've been the Dutch national paratriathlon coach now for seven years and you've taken the team to the Olympics as well as numerous international competitions like the World Championships and the European Championships. And so I'd like to ask you that from this experience, what is it you think that the great coaches that you've seen up close do differently? It's hard to distinguish people, great coaches, uh, and what they do differently from other coaches. And at at events, it's all about the athletes, and the athletes perform. So you see good athletes, and you suppose that they will have great coaches, maybe, because the athletes perform at the highest level, they win. But that doesn't necessarily have to mean, if you see a great athlete, that you see also a great coach. Not sure if you can answer that on the venues or at the Paralympics, if you can recognize a great coach. For me, if I have to say something about how to recognize a coach that I would like is how you get around with your athletes with people around you and the small things how you communicate with your athletes if you have a friendly cooperative relation with athletes and not showing that you stand above the athlete walking around the venue so it's all about the small things I think a good coach if you don't see that they are the coach 
that's about how it looks like me uh, for me on the venues. I don't know how they act when they're at home and the training venues, but I think the main part in recognizing a coach that you don't see them. And if you see them, they are not above the athlete. And that's uh, the main part. Bass, you've been active in disabled sports since 1991. Could you share with us how you started out? Yes, uh, 1991, then I was at age 21. I finished before well, normal middle, uh, how do you call it, high school, a uh, study in computer science, not a very high level, but at a moderate level. And uh, then we had our compulsory military service that days. I was one of the last guys that had to go in there for a year. And I was working in uh, military painting trucks for the sixth time uh, again. And I was thinking, I don't want to work at this level. That's not my life. I thought, okay, I want to go to study again. And I'm into sports for all my life. I did all sports I you can imagine. I was pretty good in all single sports, but never an expert in one. So I like every sport. I'm also all my life in technology, mechanics, measuring things, building things, also at a moderate level, but a lot of interests. So I went to a, a study center. So when I asked the question, I want to do something with sports and technology. And they gave me a brochure. Well, here's human uh, movement technology study in uh, The Hague. Immediately thought, okay, that's for me. I know that that's what I want. But I also immediately had something about, and with this study, you can develop a new pair of skates or bicycle or uh, sport equipment. Immediately had something, who cares about another faster bike? Far more interesting to make something for people with a disability to be able to move faster. Use your arms with a prosthetic. I was immediately transforming it to how can I help people with a technology that makes their life better or makes them easier to, to perform in a sport without and not looking immediately at the able sport. Also, because it's very hard to find jobs in that. There are a lot of people inventing things. Oh, well, people want to work in able body sport. But I thought, oh, that, that's something I can live with. It's worth working for. And I immediately volunteered at a multi-sport, just a recreative uh, club for people with a physical disability. I was uh, riding the bus, and playing basketball and uh, pushing the wheelchairs. And I really liked it. And in my study, I was always driven to projects about wheelchairs, uh, hand cycles, anything about that with my internships also. So that way I became more interested in what we call disabled sport. It's just sport without equipment. That's it. So that's how I came into that world. And I stayed in for my life. I worked in rehabilitation shops, building, designing wheelchairs, sports wheelchairs, selling equipment for people with physical disabilities. So I was in there for my working life, just in any other work you have but this is for people who've lost some uh, body parts somewhere in life so it's nothing different than working with cars or i don't know uh, bicycles it's just a way of using technology to make people move a little bit better that's why i came into the disability part of technology and through that someone asked me i had a wheelchair racer training for the paralympics in was it 96 2000 i can't even remember and they asked me to, to help with the training schedules because in my education my study i had also physiology and anatomy training stuff and i was training all my life also already and doing triathlon so they asked me to make schedules training schedules that's how i came into the coaching stuff also but it's always driven into sports for people with physical challenges somehow i don't know why just interesting you have a background in motion technology sport and as you just mentioned rehabilitation so in paratriathlon what is the role of the coach no different than in any sport as i said it's sport but with equipment that's the only difference and that's very important that the whole world knows that i hate the word paratriathlon it's ridiculous. It's triathlon with other equipment. 
that's it. It's paratriathlon if you have 50 kilos of overweight. Then you're a paratriathlete. You're too heavy. To, but you're not a paratriathlete if you miss an arm. It's just triathlon with extra equipment. So there's no difference in coaching athletes with a physical or visual disability, I think. Of course, we have colleagues in the Olympic part of the National Federation, the coaches. And they see what I do and I see what they do. And the only thing I think is different in para-sport, if you keep calling it that, is that you have to be aware as coach and at least be aware and hopefully understand the extra challenges people with physical disabilities or visual disabilities have in life. So if you design a training schedule of 20 hours a week uh, and the physical or the physiological theory is the same, it's uh, all about strength, fitness, endurance, you can make the same schedule. But if you're not aware of the challenges in life, for instance, coming to a training venue, the pain, extra difficulties with going to the toilet, wounds on stumps with prosthetics, not being able to see, so planning and trying to get to the training venue, that all takes a lot of energy from athletes, um, makes life complicated. Training itself is not a problem, but everything around the athlete with some sort of extra challenge You have to be aware of that as a coach and understand it. So you have to back up with all your plans and let the athlete tell what's really limiting him or her doing a certain schedule you've designed. And you don't have to be frustrated about it as a coach. Coaches always want to go fast and you have to stay to the schedule. Then you're lost in para-sports. But I said, you have to be aware of the other challenges the athletes have. If you let them have their own time schedule, they have their goals and they know where to get. But if you as a coach go too fast or ignore other things around that being a para, again, athlete, you have to be patient and let people find out themselves what their boundaries are and don't set them as a coach. That's the main difference. I'm very patient. And the other coaches think, how do you do that? How can you, every time you can say, okay, then we do it differently. Okay, well, no problem. They would get crazy. And it's part of the fun. But it's all the same for any other able athlete. You have to always be aware of people, their family situation, what environmental they grew up, what their personal situation is. Maybe they have work, they have family, kids, maybe family they have to take care of in their life. So everybody has their own life and way they move around in their environment besides the sport. And if you're not aware of that, then you somewhere it collides. It doesn't mix. I think that's, and I, in para-sports, that's a little bit, bit more, maybe in the Olympic part. But that's the main difference, I think, yeah. Where does your patience come from? Well, <laughs> I always say, funny, I'm the king in uh, lifting up my shoulders. <laughs> so what? If life doesn't work, we go right. Why not? It has to be have a good reason. But I'm not the one who set the path and the direction. If someone thinks, are we going to talk about training or doing things in life? And I say, okay, well, maybe this is an idea. And someone said, no, I'm 100% certain. I have to go left and then right. And we get to the same goal. I say, okay, let's do it. And if that doesn't work, after a few months, someone said, okay, I want to go that way. Because you said it before, and maybe that's a better idea. I said, okay, let's do it that way. So, that's in my nature. I'm not a directive of a person or the general. Uh, and maybe that makes it easy. The athletes are not there for me. I'm there for them. So it's not that everything's okay for me, but actually it is. <laughs> that, that's an easy way to live. Don't make too much problems. There are no problems. It's just the way it is. Just go with the flow is also not what I mean. Don't make a problem of everything. That's the best way to cope with life and everything in life. Bas, when you were announced as the coach of the Paralympic triathlon team in 2013. The press release says that the team's ambition 
is two medals at the 2016 Games in Rio. And of course, the team goes on to win two medals, a gold and a silver, and finish third on the medal table. And so I'd like to ask you, what did you do when you first became head coach that fueled this result? The easiest thing to do, just find athletes that you are already certain they will win the medals. Then you're already done. So find the athletes and ask them to do triathlon. And if they say yes, you're in. And that's what that happened because of all my life already in rehabilitation, sports. It's hypothetical, how do you call it? But, but it's, I almost know everybody in the Netherlands in a wheelchair. That's not true, but I know the athletes, I know the sports. Because I was so long into rehabilitation, para sports in, in also I know the people, okay, he could be good in this sport and he, and I just, and I, had, I knew our top athlete, Jetsa Platt, he is a phenomenal athlete. He already was 10 years ago. Everybody saw it. And so, and he always said, well, he was in hand cycling, already world champion. And some people ask him, oh, it's a paratitlon, it was just starting. Isn't that anything for you? He did it for fun and it was all small, but it was not Paralympic anymore. But he once said, okay, of course I knew him, not very good, but he said once, okay, if Buzz asks me and he gets the coach, I will do it. So that was easy. That's one. Then I just called him and said, okay, there's the world championship. I thought, well, it could be that in, I'm not sure, 2013, I was in this job and July, August, we already had our first world championship. And I asked him, he didn't ever do, well, maybe once a paratron and a triathlon. And I asked him, okay, do you want to compete? There are no qualification criteria, just compete. And he came, became second, I think. So in the end, that's the first one. And the next one was another guy, uh, Geert Schipper. That's our number two, unfortunately for him. He's always number two. But he will, he's, he's as strong as Jetsen. And I saw him at the rehabilitation center at a workshop from Jetsen. Big guy, two meters long, uh, strong, and I thought, you're going to be a paratriathlete. And he was, okay, I'll think about it. And a few months later, he was in the reverse race, and he won. The best thing you can do as a coach to sort of look like a great coach is just find good athletes in your ring. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Well, Bass, you're being quite modest because... Parasport is, of course, very big in the Netherlands. It's quite popular and it's very well funded. But my understanding is that after Rio, the Dutch king asked for the fighter jets to be scrambled and to accompany the team into the country in those last kilometres before they landed. And that must have been quite a nice thing to happen when you were coming home. Uh, yeah, yeah. Rio was, of course, one of my first big event as a coach. I've never looked at it. I never saw it. So uh, for me, it was great, great. And for the athletes also. And then uh, coming home with the two medals from our guys and all the, as you said, all the, the Dutch team is 
very good Paralympic sports, also in able body sports. We have a small country, but with a small budget, we seem to perform very well. And we came back in our the airplane and we had two jets. It's, it's something that was done before, I think. We have it. And we treated the same as the Olympic team. So also the Paralympic plane was coming home and there were also two jets. So that's, that's the, the nice thing from the Netherlands. Paralympic sport, what is it? I hate the name, is completely integrated and treated the same as Olympic sport. In practice, of course, you will always find some differences and it's not as great as I tell it now. It, it always be some little differences, but it's the intention is to treat it as the same as Paralympic as Olympic. So that, that's great. And that you feel really professional as an athlete, as a coach. Yeah, that's so, uh, that was very nice. Yeah, You don't get back in the boat six months and uh, nobody uh, sees you. No, it's very great. Bas, I read a fantastic blog from one of your athletes, uh, Gear Shipper, who won the Para Ironman in Kona and Hawaii in 2018. He thanks you and he praises you for taking time off to come and train him. And then he says he trusts you entirely. In another blog from Sander Kuman, he talks about trusting you as well. And so I wanted to ask you about trust. It's important in any relationship, but when training athletes with physical challenges, it must be heightened. So how do you go about building such strong trust with your athletes? Yeah, it's not something I do on purpose or I have a plan for it. I think you can only do it that way if it's in your character i'm sure if i say something i'll do it that's simple and it's not small things it's always keep my promise for instance i was thinking about if you would give me a bag with a million dollars and you ask me to care of it for a year and i don't know you you get it back after a year it's it's not more than normal is it about trust i don't know if i have to pick up someone at three o'clock in the morning because he calls me to he has a problem i'll pick him up that's something that has to be in your life, how you're raised from your parents. Yeah, it's nice that they trust me. I trust them. So maybe that's the point. If you trust other people, they trust you. You get back what you give. It's also very, everybody says it, and it's an elevation of the sentence if you get back what you give. But I really think that's the key in life. Get back what you give. It's not intentional uh, plant. Well, it's a great saying. Are there any other sayings or values or even behaviors that are central to who you are as a coach? and that you really demand and talk to your athletes about? Well, that's also funny because if you see documentaries about coaches, especially in team sports, they're in the dressing room having great speeches and lifting up the team and saying things that are hit the spot and the team is going out of the mind and they're performing like never before. I'm not a coach like that. You won't see me doing a speech or anything. So I'm not a talker with athletes about I'm not going to sit down at a desk and talk about what people feel of how they have to act or how they think I act. Uh, I really hate those conversations. It's just in during a training day, we talk with people, I talk with, with athletes about things in life, and it's just a sentence, sentence here. It's, not, it's never planned. I do a lot of things unplanned. So it's always, for me, it's always from the heart. Yeah, it's never planned. So uh, I'm really interested if I ask a question or say things. And, other, and my athletes also do that the same to me. We don't have planned conversations about how to act or how to perform or how to treat each other. Just live your life. And then what I said, you, you get what you give. But if an athlete makes, uh, we do a lot of in uh, facilitating thing with training venues. We try to do as much as we can to make uh, athletes give them the possibility to train at the right facilities, have the, the, the great 
training schedules, make life as easy as possible. Uh, we do a lot of work. And if athletes don't appreciate it or don't appreciate or don't see the value of that or just uh, are a bit, oh, you didn't treat me the right way or I think I should have more, then you really have me on a, I never get angry, but I get angry if you don't see the value of the things we all do for people. And so we're honest. And if athletes or any person is not honest in their reaction, then I get very angry sometimes. And it, it takes a very long time to see me getting angry. But then I'm also just a few sentences show that I'm not very fond of uh, how people react to certain things, certain things. But that's it. That's it all. And then I just say some uh, things and then uh, within, within two sentences it's already uh, solved again and then we go back to uh, to normal and there's no problem anymore so there's nothing is planned in my strategy on how to communicate with people what do you like best about being a coach never thought of i don't see me as a coach it's not a job it's just fun i always say my, my children really ask what are you doing that you're just sitting on the phone sometimes uh, typing on your computer or having doing sports uh, on a training camp going to nice venues. Uh, and you never seem to have stress. Yeah, that, that's right. We are, the coaches are completely free in how to run their business. And we have a great high performance manager. He's the best manager you can get. Everything we do, again, he trusts us. So everything we do is okay. And if you give that trust to people, they won't do crazy things. And maybe it's also because of the type of coaches we all have in the National Federation in the different role. It's all about trust again. And he trusts me and the other coaches completely. So that's maybe the fun part of being a coach in this position. I can do, we can do, the athletes can do whatever we think is good and the best to perform at the highest level. And I think that's the fun part now. And maybe in another position, in another federation, in another sport, I wouldn't like to be a coach. I'm not sure if I like to be a coach. I don't know. This is my first coaching job. It just felt right and it's, it's, it's going okay. But I'm not particularly educated or I didn't study f- to be a coach. I can be something else if I don't like it anymore. In another, what I said, in another sport, I'm probably not a coach. I don't know. It's just uh, having, uh, doing what I like. I hope people think uh, I'm doing a good job. That's what I like. That's when you first started coaching. I've read where you said you felt responsible for everything and you weren't very good at letting go. I can see you nodding there. But how did you learn to find the right balance as a coach? Oh, that, that I said before, I didn't have stress. No, that's not completely. Of course, you can have stress if you make yourself too important. If you think you're responsible for everything, that's something I've learned. Uh, you can't control everything. And you don't have to, because the more control you want, the least you have. And that, that's something that I've learned a lot in life. And that's really what I always see at other coaches who are having a burnout or going out of their mind because something is not going to plan. And I think that that are the type of coaches, the control types. They always want to know everything, want to control everything, want to decide everything. In, in the first few years, I would like to have the traveling perfect, the equipment perfect. I thought I have to be not in a directive way, not saying how it should be, but I thought I had to do everything and help everything with people in everywhere. I would drive everybody, every athlete to every venue, training facility. I would pick them up, arrange the the equipment, everything that's needed. But that's the way you won't last for long. And it's everybody's own responsibility to get to the training facility. Good luck, do your best, because that's a part of the challenge. And that's what learning experience also for an athlete. And if you're having a flat tire, good luck, fix it. Oh, and that's maybe also raise your children. If you do everything for your kids, they won't learn a thing. 
and you're responsible for them all their life. So, and things can go wrong and things should go wrong to learn. How do you call that? My, my character is to be very helpful to people always. And it's better for yourself at the end, also for the other person, not to help a lot of times. You can be understanding and sometimes helpful, but not in a way of getting it all out of their hands and doing everything. And that's what I've learned. And that's just shit a lot of coaches, I think, should do, because otherwise you get crazy. <laughs> in the last six to 12 months, are there any particular resources, books, courses, TV shows, anything that you found particularly helpful in your development as a coach? Well, we have, that's also nice in our work in the Netherlands. Our National Olympic Committee, Paralympic Committee, has a lot of workshops, interactive. Now, for now, it's interactive lessons, discussion panels with other coaches where you can discuss uh, problems, challenges, situations with each other. We have a lot of uh, experts that give workshops on physiological items, psychological training. So we have a lot of possibilities to learn in that way. As I said, coaching is not my job. It's something I just came somewhere on my path and I went into it. So I'm not reading the coaching books, how to be a good coach. That's interesting, but it's not the way I am. The book is written by someone who did it on his way or her way. Um, that's not me. I find it astonishing how coaches in team sports, what I said, have their team doing whatever they want with a speech. And then I'm full of admiration of that type of coaches, but I'm not like that. I can't do it. I just look at it and say, oh, that's pretty cool, but don't know how to do it. So I don't read a lot of coaching books. I just try to learn in practice and do it the way I think it's okay. And if it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't fit athletes. That's certainly true. Uh, we have some athletes that really like to be directed more or have the coaches say, I do it this way, this way, this way, and then you get the medal or the sworn best. That's not the way I'm coaching. So then please go somewhere else or we find someone who can help you in this way. I like to do it the way I like to do it. And there's no book that can change me or help me a lot in that. Maybe it's a bit strange for a coach, but I don't want to be, or I have no ambition to be the greatest coach. Also, I just do it the way I think is okay. And I, if I can help people with that, that's good. Well, Bass, let's talk about legacy then, because I know you've got many, many years left ahead of you as a coach, but at some point you will probably retire. And when you look back on your career, what is the legacy that you want to leave as a coach? Well, you have coaches, like I said, we're always be remembered as they really know, some coaches are really technical perfect they are tactics they can manage a team of 30 athletes and make them do whatever is necessary for the for the best performance coaches are uh, known as that and being not a nice guy it's too simple to say i like them to remember me as a nice guy because that's not what i'm hired for being and just being a nice guy but i think essentially that's what life is about. There's nothing wrong that, that people think of you. That's a nice guy. I think if everybody would think about that of each other in the world, there would be a much better world. And the way you do it is letting people do their own thing in the way they think is the best by assisting them, helping them, facilitate, facilitate with whatever they need. With your knowledge, help them in develop training experience, finding the right, in this case, equipment, just being helpful, I hope that they think, okay, he was very helpful for me to get us this level. That's more than enough. If I could be helpful in performance of an athlete, whatever level, then it's okay for me. Basta Bruin, it's been fantastic talking to you today. I've loved hearing your story. And I'd like to think that there are many, many, many years of triathlon coaching ahead of you. 
and I look forward to watching on with interest as you move towards the Olympic Games in Tokyo. So thank you very much for your time today. Yeah, you're welcome. Hope to see you again.